Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey everybody, hope you're doing well. Welcome into episode 113 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. You know, here we are approaching the holiday season. And I got to tell you, I just wrapped up my last travel of 2023 and spending some time this past week in a couple of schools, uh, working with some leaders and spending some time in teachers' classrooms. And it was just an incredible way to wrap the whole thing up. And I really felt like it was important to just start this episode by talking about that. And so um, I'm actually going to lead this right into the pep talk. We're going to do that right off the bat instead of waiting until the end of the episode this time. And what I want to really specifically talk about is one particular school that I was in this week and just just seeing um, tons of growth and some amazing things that were happening in that school, transformation in some of the teachers from the first time I was there to to this most recent time. And credit 100% to the school leader, to the leadership team in that school, the work they're doing, the, the efforts that they're doing to inspire that change and to support those teachers. It's just, it's an absolute beautiful, beautiful thing to observe and to get to be a part of. And that takes me to the pep talk. So in that same school, I was having that conversation, you know, about all these great things that are happening in that particular school. And the leader said to me uh, that, that she had some other really exciting news that she can't really share yet, but something that, that she's aware of that ties into the work they've been doing now for, for nearly three years in that particular school. And she told me, you know, Darren, when, when I first heard the news, um, what, I, what I felt was a little bit of relief a tiny little bit of celebration, but mostly a reminder that there's still so much more work to be done, that we still have a lot to do as a school and as a community. And I think this is a beautiful thought. I think this is so typical of most leaders, right? I mean, I I know there were times, certainly for me, as a leader where we were achieving to a certain level or you know, maybe, you know, bypassing other schools in an, in an area or scoring better than, than other schools that we previously hadn't. And you want to celebrate it, but you're just still so focused on, man, there's so much more to do, right? Um, leaders, you got to take the time to celebrate that which is worthy of being celebrated. You know, don't, don't allow yourself to fall into that trap of, man, there's just more work to be done. Yes, there is. No question about it. But you know what? When you have those moments, those those milestones, those achievements that are taking place, make sure you celebrate them. Because I know that's what you want your teachers to do with your kids. So model that. Be the person who leads with that celebration in mind. That's, that's what I got for you, folks. That's the pep talk for this week. And I know it comes very early in the episode, but I just felt so strong about that. And I was just so inspired by the time that I spent in that particular school this week that I just, I didn't want to wait till the end of the episode. I just wanted to tell you right off the bat. So that's your pep talk for this week. Take it for what it's worth. My guest on the show today is Dr. Joy Caravitas. Now, if you don't know Joy, let me tell you this. She has over 20 years of executive level leadership, working in independent schools and in nonprofit organizations. She carries a master's degree and a doctorate degree in organizational leadership and actively teaches as a professor 
at both the graduate and undergraduate level. She is currently the Director of Research and Program Development at Orange Lutheran High School in California. With her strong academic and research-focused background, Dr. Joy Caravitas is focused on the development of middle management leaders and helping them prepare for the next step on their leadership journey. And she's done a lot of presentations, written a lot of publications about that particular topic. The most recent, her brand new book, From Striving to Thriving, a practical guide for growth in leadership and in life. Now, Joy and I sat down recently and we had a really great conversation talking about that transition from teacher to school level leader. We talked about how you equip, empower, and engage those individuals to help them find the path that's right for them. We had such a wonderful conversation. I can't wait for you to dive into that. So here we go. On with the show. So when I reflect on the start of my leadership career, I think there's a point where I finally figured out that it really wasn't about me. Uh, so often, I think early career leaders will come into the role and think, you know, it's about them or about, hey, look, my name's on the door or something like that and lose sight of the fact that really leadership is about others and about working to empower and to lift others up. Today on the show, I have Dr. Joy Caravetis joining me, and we're going to talk about understanding the leader inside of you and how you get to that point where you truly are about developing other leaders and not just about developing followers. So, Joy, welcome into the show. Well, thank you. Thank you, Darren. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to have this conversation with you and to talk just a little bit more about school leadership. Um, I know that uh, there's a lot of great stuff we're going to get to. Before we do that, just really quick, share for my listeners a little bit about who you are, uh, what you do, what you're all about, uh, and what it is that, uh, that brought you here to the show today. Great. Happy to do that. Um, I've been in leadership positions for, gosh, 20 plus years, primarily in education, primarily in high school, also did a stint in higher ed. Um, I spent a few few years over in the nonprofit world as well. Uh, I'm currently the Senior Director of Research and New Program Development for a private high school in Orange County, California. That's my fancy title, I like to say. But what I really do is I get to work with people and teams every day uh, to develop our signature programs and to vision and dream what education looks like now for us and what it could look like in the future. And that's really, really very exciting. It's what gets me up and excited to go to work every day. Uh, as far as kind of what drives me, that's kind of that same thing. I think that we're living in really exciting times in education. We see things changing and moving. And as leaders, we get to look like, what does that mean for us to lead in these times? And how do we... Um, engage with other people to remain flexible, to remain kind of curious and to kind of spark some of that, continue to spark that, uh, I don't know, that notion of, of excitement as we continue to lead instead of just looking for the 
the work that we're doing sometimes that day in and day out, but look at what could it be and how are we impacting both our students, but actually really the world around us, because I'm also one of those uh, kind of educational believers that we really are. We are impacting the world and changing, changing the world in ways that no other profession can do. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, you look at, look at the world the way that it currently exists right now with a lot of conflict, a lot of division. And, you know, I, I've said this a lot. Um, it's those kids that are in the classrooms right now who are going to be the ones who fix it. Uh, they're going to be mm-hmm. the ones that are making the difference and making the change as we go forward. And um, it's, it's exciting, the work that you get to do. And I, I want to chase that just a little bit. Um, I think it's absolutely fascinating that part of your role is to imagine and vision where do we go from here we were talking before we hit the record button about how as as a leadership team at your school there in orange county you're having those conversations you know how how do we hold to i'm going to try to capture your words from from earlier how do we hold to our to our values and our belief systems so that at the same time remain relevant for kids now and kids going forward. So talk a little bit about that. What what are some of the things you guys are discussing or, or that you're seeing or you're thinking about when it comes to that future of education? Where, where do you guys envision us going? Great conversations. Really very exciting. Um, I think that most of us in education have talked about this for a little while and that we know we are educating students in front of us for jobs that haven't even been created, that they're going out into a world that really isn't the one same as what exists right now. Uh, and so trying to, to prepare students for that world when we're not even 100% sure what it is, is kind of both daunting and exciting at the same time. And what we're looking at as far as looking at education as we looked at trends and looking at the data of what people want we're seeing a lot of things that happen now i should say post-covid and not that anybody wants to go back there but we're seeing things that have changed that maybe go oh this is an educational change such as flexibility in education such as choice of uh not only the where I want to be educated, but the modality in which it is that, you know, that you want to be taking those classes and which classes fit best into different modalities and looking at the family dynamic that is that the, fa- the student isn't just coming by themselves. They're coming out of a family dynamic and what are families wanting now that sometimes parents are working from home. Sometimes parents are traveling a little bit more because they have flexibility. Uh, just what does that look like? The smaller school, you know, some people don't want to be in a, our school has 1500 by Southern California uh, standards. That's not huge. Uh, I think it's a really great size to be able to offer a lot of different things. But I think some people are saying, no, I like the micro school environment. We're looking at what does that mean? And how do we, as a comprehensive high school, support that and come along with those students, maybe alongside with those other micro schools or students who are feeding into our high school from a micro school environment. Um, You can't be, but you can't be all things to all people. So doing these and seeing how how trends are changing, 
um, demographics are changing, at least in our specific area. We have our population is aging across the nation. And what does that look like? And what does that mean for the future of, of schools? And just taking those things into consideration as we look at what makes sense for for our schools now. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that that made me think of as you were you were talking about that, having gone through kind of a reimagination of a school as a high school principal and, and planning for uh, the development of a satellite campus that was built after I left. But, um, you know, we had some of those some of those similar conversations. And again, it was pre-COVID uh, when we were doing this. But um, it made me think about not only that conversation, but um, a lot of conversations that I think some schools around the country had been having for a number of years around even something just like entrepreneurship. And when we think about those schools that have leaned into that and think about right now, we're in such a heavy gig economy and so many people post-COVID, myself included, have made that, that migration into you know, being a solo entrepreneur or being, you know, an entrepreneur of, you know, initially a small company with with plans to scale. Um, I, I think it's not necessarily that it's entrepreneurship, but there's probably something else coming that the seeds have been planted and they're they're just just starting to just starting to sprout. And schools who are ahead of that and who are kind of keeping an eye on where this might lead us, at least. Mm-hmm. potentially can read the tea leaves for where they're going to go. You're absolutely right. We we can't project. Nobody could have projected the the way the economy has gone and and how, you know, we've we've moved to again the the heavy gig economy, the entrepreneurship, the uh just the the drastic changes post-covid, but I think that's one of the big things is monitoring those trends and seeing, okay, what's next? I think you're absolutely right. And I think what it brings to my mind is when we're looking at the way we look at education and schooling, especially at the high school level, and I know it's impacted the colleges also, people are now saying, a couple of questions they're asking themselves. First, it's always the, well, what's in it for me? Do I want to just get the general liberal arts conversation? Or am I going to get something out of this that I can now take to that next level that I can take into my my, I, we have students who, who own their own business and they're in high school. You know, can, I can take into that. What are those skills or other um, uh, educational elements that I'm learning that I can take and apply right now? We're also looking at then the school to work model and, and changing that a little bit about maybe I'm going to be looking at work a little different than with education as well. And how do those two things come together? What does that work like for me? For us, and I know a lot of schools around the country do this, whether they call them academies or institutes or symposiums and these other archetypes of areas where they can make that your big school experience into something smaller that's more dedicated toward whether it's STEM or biomedical, or I know we um, have a first responders academy or something of that nature where it's a little bit more focused and to um, kind of speak into some student interest and give them a place to experiment right now. Experiential learning, project-based learning, inquiry-based learning, those are huge right now in education. I, I know you're the audience would all know the, all those terms and and I would assume agree with me, but how do we provide those experiences and those um, manner in which to apply their learning that they're getting into a real world setting? And I think that's been one of the 
also the areas that we look at um, on a regular basis of what that means for us and how do we provide those those um, opportunities for our students. Yeah, I think that's huge. And, uh, you know, I referenced a conversation as a high school principal, actually first as an assistant principal at the high school level. And, and it really was the development of our career academies that that drove mm -hmm. that conversation. And uh, um, it truly made a difference. Yeah, I mean, you know, developing the school within a school model, um, having, you know, different types of uh, modalities for for student learning for you know for them to continue to learn but meet the conveniences that their their dynamics in their life have have you know maybe don't align with the traditional school day all the while we were talking about this beforehand too all the while still holding that traditional comprehensive high school because you do have students who are coming to school because of athletics, because of performing arts, because of fine arts, because of fill in the blank, right? You know, so mm -hmm. it's it's being able to maintain that that guaranteed basket of goods while also being able to to support as many students as possible. You're right; you can't be everything to everybody, but trying to, uh, I guess, project forward and and be as close to everything for everybody as possible is I think what we're looking for. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think what I'm, we've been talking a lot um, in the first few minutes here about students, and that is our responsibility, our major responsibility, our industry. But I think it also allows us a time, a chance to kind of engage with teachers in a little different way as well, and to allow them to have a place to maybe explore areas of interest um, within and even sometimes outside of their content and subject matter that might be sometimes challenging, but allow them to bring in some places and some experiences that they're able to kind of uh, kind of use within the classroom or within an, um, an applied learning situation where they can kind of explore some of themselves and what make, keeps the job interesting to them and keeps them kind of focused and excited about, uh, you know, the classroom every day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, and you know, that's that ongoing challenge right now is mm -hmm. not just, you know, I mean, we, we can just use the word retaining teachers, but it isn't just about you know, keeping them there, like, you know, like they're captive in their classroom. It's about keeping them engaged and keeping them mm -hmm. excited and continuing to learn. And I know um, that's something that, that, you know, in your, in your side work and, and also in your book, and we're going to get to that in a little bit, um, you, you talk about kind of this, this model for engaging our educators. So so maybe talk a little bit about that. I know that, that there's kind of three parts to that. So uh, mm -hmm. I'll just kind of tee that up for you and let you run with that a little bit. Let's, well, let's, let's find those ways to really engage our educators. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. The nice segue there. Um, I do do a, a couple of workshops that uh, with teacher, uh, teacher development and staff development. Quite frankly, it's probably would fit right in, in the leadership development uh, scale also. And I use a three, I like alliteration, but I call it equip, empower, engage. And I think that we have to 
do all three of those things and that the order is actually really important. I think that we talk a lot this today in today's world all across industry about empowering and empowering leaders, empowering your people, um, you know, helping them to be able to give them agency and focus in their work. And that's all great. But I think if we don't equip them first, the empowerment part's going to be a little difficult. Um, what I've seen is that they need a clear understanding of the objectives. We need to, the requirements, and they have to have the skills and the ability to be able to to be empowered and to move forward and to run, you know, fully with the ball. And I think sometimes we just give them the ball and say, wait, you're running the wrong way. And why did you do that? And, you know, and right. it's because nobody explained, explained the rules, you know, so we have to give, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of that first. And then we can kind of really, I think we set everybody up for a better expectation of success. Um, and then I think engagement, we all want to engage teachers, leaders, students, everybody, but engagement's easy. When somebody has been equipped and empowered and they, they now take ownership, they're excited to, to do that work. And they, I, I feel the engagement part is almost comes along naturally. We just get to feed into that by uh, continuing to encourage the, the, what's already taking the good things that are already taking place. Well, I think so much of that comes back to just having that extreme clarity and ensuring that all of our teachers, all of our staff have a really clear understanding um, and are in the right ways reminded what that, you know, what that um, compelling vision is for our school, for our organization. And the more that we have that clarity and the more that people can see and understand what really that vision is and, and not, not Joy's vision for the school or Darren's vision for the school, but rather collectively, this is, this is our compelling vision of where we're going. I think that helps to set them up for their own ownership. I mean, it's really hard to engage mm -hmm. somebody in, in something that they don't have ownership in. You, 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 kind of led to this segue, honestly, with with going from students to teachers. I'll just very quickly go back to to students for a second, because we see it in the classroom all the time. You said it yourself. You know, students are like, what's in it for me? Well, that's today's teacher, too. You know, today's mm -hmm. teacher isn't simply, oh, you told me to do this and therefore I'll do it. Uh, probably still some, but most, especially our newest generation of teachers, they they want a clear stake. They want to understand and, and know that, that they're truly making a difference in the organization, not just for individual kids, but they want to know they have impact on the organization. So, so, so utilizing that, that model of equip, empower, engage, how, how do you pull that all together? Well, I'm going to first say it's like in, whether student or teacher, don't we all want them to be kind of go beyond the what's in it for me. We want, we want those people. That's, and we've all seen the difference when somebody's truly engaged and truly excited and truly empowered to kind of move forward, whether it's student or teacher. And I think that when we, again, they have to, we have to start with equipping. They understand the rules of the game. They certainly, they need to know their curriculum, their content, give them some instructional strategies and pedagogy, be able to have those processes. But to your point, they also need to know where we're going and why. As, a, as an organization, we 
have a mission statement, a vision statement, but those aren't just something that's printed on our letterhead or that it's on the side of the wall, but those are in front of everybody on a regular routine basis, that this is our goal. These are where we're headed. We, um, it's finning here. We're just finishing up goal setting, you know, in our, in our, with our team here. What is that? And how does that, how do those goals for your professional development, how do they tie into the vision of the school and to the goals of the school? And what does that look like? And that it becomes a part of the entire organization, not just within one person or one staff member, one student, but the entire organization has a clear understanding. It's not a quick one and done, but it's something that we truly live into. And then when they understand that and we have that foundation, that's when we can start to kind of equip and delegate. And I know for leaders, sometimes giving up control can be a little bit difficult. Um, I might be, you know, talking to myself in some places at some times. You're but, not alone uh, there. <laughs> but you feel much better about doing that when you've had multiple conversations with people and they understand where we're going and you can see that they're, you're on the same page and you're headed in the same direction. I think that's much easier to say, oh, great run with this and, and let's see where we end up. Well, I think that that also segues perfectly into uh, into another piece that I, I want to make sure we get to here on the podcast, and that's um, uncovering that leader within. Um, you know, leadership, uh, and I know you talk about this in your book, uh, leadership isn't just about a title. It's about, you know, that that individual and about that individual taking ownership of, of that mission, of that vision, um, and really you know, truly investing themselves in the work that is being done. Um, I, I said it right off the top, you know, when I first jumped into my, my first leadership role, um, I think probably like a lot of early career leaders, I thought it was about me and discovered pretty quick, no, it's not about you. Mm -hmm. It is totally not about you. And uh, I think that was probably the first step for me on, on the road to actually being a leader. Uh, was understanding yeah. that it isn't about me, but but certainly I had to find a way to release that leader that was inside of me, and and not try to be somebody that maybe somebody else thought I should be, but actually find a way to be be myself as a leader. Uh, again, I know you talk about this in striving to thriving. Um, maybe maybe elaborate on that, or, or just kind of take where I'm at with that and take us to the next level. Um, yeah, sure. Certainly. Um, when you, I'm thinking, I teach a class also, I, I'm an adjunct professor and I teach a class on organizational leadership. And I always open class the very first night with, uh, this class is going to be different. You think you're going to come here and learn a bunch of theories and a little bit about, you know, how we're going to apply all these theories and strategies. I said, that's really not it. What you're going to end up when you walk away from this class is about a new you because leadership begins on the inside. It begins on understanding who you are. What are your values? What is this fit? What do I believe in? Where do I want to go? And understanding that is the basis and the foundation for becoming a better leader. And you need to have that foundation before you can go anywhere else. And I think where we miss the mark sometimes, and this is the subject of um, my book from Striving to Thriving and really kind of the subject of uh, my research when I'm uh, my doctoral research also is that I think we sometimes focus on the um, skills needed to manage programs. We're really good at this in education. We're going to tell you all about school curriculum, student services, how do we do assessment? We're going to really excellent about that. 
but we don't really talk about the skills needed to lead people as much. We're not talking about self-awareness, communication, how do we resolve conflicts? What is we, how do we re- manage relationships or coach people to be, to be better? You know, we don't spend quite as much time on those things. And then when we start elevating people, move people who move up the ladder from department chair to assistant principal to principal to in the superintendent's office, we're like, well, why aren't they so good at leading people up here? Well, because they haven't had a chance to practice it. And what I really think is in those middle management positions, my doctoral research was all on middle management. That's the time we get to practice those skills. And as those who are leaders, leading leaders, we get the chance to kind of pour into them and help direct that and really kind of work with people, the people element to understand how to um, really be a leader rather than just a, a person who's actually just managing all the programs and how do we lead so, people. So I'm like ready to jump out of my skin over here. Um, this, <laughs> this, 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 this is why I do this podcast because that right there, that's the key. That's the piece about leadership that gets so overlooked. And, and the reason that I do the work that I do, the reason that I coach leaders uh, the way that I do is exactly what you just said. Joy, mm-hmm. we we have people who move from teacher to assistant principal, and they do because they did a great job in the classroom. And we say, boy, you know, somebody comes along, somebody somewhere, Joy, came along and tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, you ought to think about going into leadership. Happened to me in year three. My, mm-hmm. my very first principal, I'll never forget the conversation. Betsy Parker, Darren, you ought to think about going into leadership. Oh, wow, why? Because I was good in the classroom. The the skill set from the classroom to the assistant principalship is completely different. It's not the same skill set. And by the way, when you go from the AP principal, the, the assistant principal job to the principal job, completely different set of skills. And oh, by the way, from principal to superintendent, again, I've lived all of this, totally different set of mm-hmm. skills. It's, there, there's just, and then there's no training. I struggled so much, man, I'm getting really fired up and really passionate about this right now. (laughs) I struggled so much as a school level leader because all of the professional development was me sitting in professional development for teachers so that I could hold them accountable to their, to their training, not training for me on how to Mm -hmm. be a better leader. The exact skills that you are talking about. Uh, Again, that's why I do what I do because I know that's why I struggle, and I love that you're talking about that. Now I'm going to shut up so you can talk more about it, but um, that that's the key right there. Wow, I absolutely went off on a, on a squirrel chase right there, but that's okay. Go for it. I love that squirrel because that squirrel is the one who led me to write the book. It actually led me to change as a leader because I think you do. We find ourselves in those places, and all we're thinking about is the next level. Um, I have a pretty, most of my friends know I have a pretty severe case of FOMO, fear of missing out. And if there's somebody saying, hey, we're going here, I'm usually saying, yes, please, before I even know where it is, because I just want to be, I want to be part of the crowd. Um, But I think we do this to some of our people in whether it's the AP position or assistant suit position, some of those. And we're just, the minute they get into that role, we're talking about the next role. We're talking about where you're headed. We're talking about what's happening next. And we don't really tell them how do you really enjoy and learn within this role? We devalue and discount the value of those middle roles by doing that. And that FOMO, what it does, it creates a striving. And so we're never really quite 
we're never as that middle in that middle role you're never really satisfied you're never really kind of think uh feel that you've got it you've never really exploring even what's the benefits of your role because you're just worried about getting to the next role the grass is greener well you know it's not it's just more grass and so how do we do that i saw it in myself and i had to learn some hard lessons about leadership in those middle roles gives you a great opportunity to um, practice and to practice, make some mistakes and adjust and learn what works with people. Um, especially when you you feel confident in the skills that you have and you know the, the technical skills of the role, that's when you get a chance to kind of stretch, stretch your own uh, abilities and to maybe build um, a little bit more uh, of your network and and to be able to start looking at building leadership in others and how do I look at becoming more of an influencer in other people's lives than really just looking at my own life and where am I going? And those are, yes, there are behaviors and skills that we can help train as leaders, training leaders, but I think they're also a place that needs to be practiced and we need to allow time for people to practice them instead of discounting that time and just and, and making people rush on to the next big thing. You know, I'm so glad you said that because a lot of that is what so many schools around the country are experiencing right now. In the last two to three years, so many leaders, myself included, have left the profession before they probably, you know, normally would have left. Yeah, I, I was 52 years old when I left public education. I was not retiring. I was transitioning to another another career. Mm-hmm. What ha- what has come as a result? And in some cases, that's people who've just chosen to say, "Hey, that's it." In some cases, it was school boards across the country saying, "Hey, let's get rid of the superintendent. Let's get rid of the principals. Let's just." What has happened is there's become this vacuum in leadership, and. There are plenty of people, people who listen to the show know I've, I've talked about this before, so I'll be quick, but a lot of people want to be in that in that leadership pipeline, but now they're just moving through it so quick and they're not getting exactly what you talked about. They're not getting those opportunities to practice, to learn, to experiment, or even to follow a model. I, I followed a principal. I mean, I was the AP in his building for five years before I followed him. He was the principal for 17 years I learned so much from him. If you just fly through that leadership pipeline like so many now, you don't have that opportunity. Now, the good news is for for people like you and the people like me who coach leaders, Mm -hmm. hey, a lot of people need a coach. But that's now become more commonplace because they're just not getting that practice that you talk about. That practice is critical. It is. It is. And as we... I think we're starting to see the beginnings of that, but what we'll see is if we continue this, if this continues to be the method for operation, we will lose those leaders who know how to coach others within the position. You gain so much insight of from that uh, that principal for seventeen years. The the things he are not written in a book that he can model to you, that he could tell you the experiences there. You'll lose that when we just keep moving forward too quickly. And I, it's hard. I struggled with it myself. I was in probably a middle position longer than I personally wanted to be. Um, And um, I think that it's a struggle because we, 
we think that we're supposed to do the next big thing. And I think to step back, and if we can teach people to step back, reflect, um, think intentionally about where you're trying to go, what you're trying to be, and who who you want to be when you get there, I think that's enormously important. Um, we'll have better people in leadership. We, we just will. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Because they'll have that opportunity to go from mm-hmm. just, you know, for me, it was breathing through a snorkel to actually being mm-hmm. a leader. It's interesting you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, your, your doctoral research. Um, mine in a similar vein, probably not exactly the same direction. Um, I looked at, I looked at early career leaders like myself at the time and did they have the same struggles as me? I wanted to know, you know, how did people feel about their preparation in organizational management and in instructional leadership? And, you know, I, I think so much of both of those elements for people who are flying through and not getting the practice. And you're so spot on with, not being able to work under those mentors. I mean, pe- people who are brand new, who are who are high school principals, let's use that as an example, you just fly through and you, maybe you were an assistant principal for a year or two years, and now you're a high school principal. You're focused on surviving, not trying to grow your assistant principals. To me, that was the right. best part of the job. Now, it took me a couple of years to get to where I could grow my APs, but that's such a critical element. And again, you're just so right. We're, we're not going to have people who have that institutional knowledge that, you know, just, just that leadership moxie to be able to pass that on if this continues. And those aren't those the best conversations, though? Um, I love those conversations. I actually, just before we jumped in here together, I was just sitting down with a and is one of our associate director and chatting about his leading of a, a group of teachers that we work with. And he's saying, well, how do, he, he, we have a relationship where he can say, can you give me some advice on how I do this to, you know, as we're moving forward here and how you know, we're talking about some calibration issues. And, and it's a great, let's sit down and talk about that. And to be able to have the time and space for those conversations is excellent. And, and yeah. to have people who, understand the importance of those conversations is I think we need to continue that. Um, and we can't ever lose that because we're in, we're in education after all, we should be educating continually in a lot of different areas. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. It it makes me think of, uh, you know, many, many, many of those conversations with, with my assistant principals and, you know, it seemed like it happened about every two to three weeks that we but all at the end of a day end up in somebody's office, all just sitting and having conversations. And it's not the formal conversations. It's those informal conversations where so much learning happens. And, man, it's just it's powerful. And I, I hope that I hope that schools are able to still harness that and continue to to capitalize on that learning because it's it's just critical. Uh, so so let's do this. We're, we're at that point in the show where um, we're going to ask the same question I ask everybody here on the show. Uh, man, you and I, Joy, you and I could just continue to cut this up for hours and hours and hours. So I'd have to have you back so we can talk more uh, about this topic. But let, let's jump to that question. This is the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So Dr. Joy Caravitas, how are you leaning into leadership right now? You know, I knew this question was coming and it's a great question. It's uh, kind of, it's 
interesting. Uh, I've been in my current school position, well, my current school since March of 2022. I took, I left higher ed and came back into high school for a lot of reasons, um, but I've been here since March of 2022. And the role I'm in currently, this newest role, I've been only in this since July 1st of this year. Uh, I said my role is to kind of talk about new programs, vision, see the direction of education, the trends. I love that stuff. I thrive in those areas. I love talking about it. Um, it's wonderful. But now I'm getting to lead a new group of people, some of whom I really didn't even know so well before the summer um, in this new position. And I've learned that you can't just go really big with all sorts of, hey, let's do this and let's go there. You're working with human beings. <laughs> we should know this is true. We're leaders. And so to pull back from the what makes me excited and try to actually understand others first. And I've been leaning into leadership by really leaning back into learning and gaining perspective from other people, bringing people together, learning to leaning into communicating, um, which is m much more about listening than it is about talking and understanding that guiding people means that I actually have to know the people first. And so I got very excited and I'm very excited for where I think our future is headed and what it looks like, but you can't just charge there. It's about pulling back and getting to know people. So now I'm spending time getting to know some new people on our campus that are now kind of in my pathway of leadership and really kind of to hear, hear from them. And that's what I'm doing to lean into leadership. Love that so much, folks. Huge gold nugget of leadership right there. Communication is more about listening than it is about talking. Love that so very much. Uh, Joy, thank you so much for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. This was a great conversation. My pleasure. There you have it, folks. Another awesome episode of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, episode 113 in the books. A big thank you again to Dr. Joy Caravitas for being a guest here on the show. Make sure that you check things out down there in the show notes. Get in touch with Dr. Caravitas. Check out her book. And also, you know, if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure that you uh, go in and hit that uh, five-star review. Give us a written review. I'd love to hear from you. I love the feedback that we get from those people who are listening to our show and many of you have reached out, but uh, haven't yet left those left those reviews. When you leave those reviews, folks, it really helps to drive the algorithm and allow more people to discover the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So thank you for doing that in advance. Thank you to those of you who have already done that. People like Lindsay Titus, as example. Lindsay left this review for the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, along with five stars. She says, ready to lean into your own version of leadership? then this podcast is for you. Regardless of your title, this podcast provides insight into how you can lean into the leader that you are today while continuing to grow into the leader of the future. Lindsay, thank you so much for those kind words. Folks, thank you again for listening. Thank you for following the show, for subscribing, and for providing us with those five-star reviews. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.